This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Equity Mind. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is you Welcome back to another episode of Equity Mates, or should I say, welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. If you're just joining us for the first time, welcome. Now, while we're licensed, we're not aware of your financial circumstances. Any information is for entertainment and general advice only. What do you reckon? Well, Bryce's brother Bruce joined us today. <laughs> yes. Uh, AI voice. AI voice, yeah. So if you've just joined us, I've been using ChatGPT to help with some of my intros and we've taken it one step further. Producer Sasha has taken to the AI cloning tools and thrown in my voice and asked it to then do the Equity Mates intro that I've been doing for years and that's what it spat out. I reckon it sounds like the guy who does Case File. Oh, have you listened to that? Yeah, I uh, have, but not well enough that I could place the voice. Uh, it's it's reassuring to know that AI can't quite come for our job yet. Yes, although there is another one that Alf was showing, another teammate and our colleague in our office, and it was like super realistic. So, Sasha, maybe we'll throw it into his. You know the Anthony Bourdain story? Yeah. Yeah, that for people unfamiliar, Anthony Bourdain died halfway through narrating a travel documentary, what he was known for, and... The family agreed with the production company that they could use AI, train it on his voice, and then finish the narration. And apparently, it was seamless. It's pretty crazy. But I did have the same sort of takeaway. If that's where my voice is at now, at least I'm not going to get done soon for saying something that I didn't say. That's my biggest worry about Deep it. fakes? Deep fakes. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's going to cause a lot of litigation down the track, I reckon. Like, there will be billions of dollars in... Yeah, verifying yeah. and all of that and someone smarter than us more technically savvy than us will figure it out it's like the cybersecurity industry it's like every new threat creates a new business opportunity and yeah yeah you just don't want to be the test case where people realize, oh, this is something that, that that's what I mean. a problem like to this, be solved. Yeah, exactly. I don't it's all right. Know. We're nowhere near big enough to be targeted. <laughs> <laughs> Touch wood. But yes, if you have uh, joined us, my name is Bryce. And on the other side here, I've got Ren. And uh, this podcast is all about following our journey of oh, sorry, investing. Yeah, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> now, I should say the disclaimer properly. So the, any information on this show is general advice only. We do not know your uh, financial circumstances. So please... Take everything we say with a with a grain of salt. Now, 
Ren, today we've got a listener call coming in from Alan. Very excited to get to that. We're having a look at the merge between the UFC and WWE and the new company that is just listed off the back of that. But to kick off, news, portfolios, it's all happening. I did a bit of an update on my portfolio last week. You've got an update on yours this week. But has anything caught your attention outside of that? Well, before we get into the investing stuff, just something I learned that I found interesting. It was from a study in the 90s. So I'm not. this isn't new information, but it was new for me. Did you know that if all cancers were cured tomorrow, like we just cured cancer completely, the average American's life expectancy would only increase by three years. I did not know that. That is surprising. Yeah. Well, just like how devastating cancer is, you'd think it would, there would be a greater impact on life expectancy if we solved it. Yeah, I guess it goes to show all of the other things that you do to your body that don't result in cancer, but... Well, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think it's more like as you get older, if cancer doesn't get you, something else will. Yeah. Sadly. Like a disease. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fascinating. So what? What's the takeout there? We- I don't know. I just found it interesting. <laughs> you should see uh, our producer Sasha just making a face at us, just being like, "What are you guys talking about?" So with that in mind, that let's, get, <laughs> let's get to no, the no investing notice. stuff. So I, I think what I want to talk about today is there are two companies that have caught my eye: one that I have recently bought, and one that I would never buy, but is quite interesting. So I'll get to that. The clear caveat being here that these are decisions that I've made for my portfolio with my investing goals and my risk tolerance and my often faulty analysis. So do your own research and don't take what we talk about as personal advice for your own portfolio. But with that said, uh, I think the starting point here is I feel like really rock solid with my core portfolio. And nice. My, and my core you. generally. <laughs> no, um, like we literally just wrote the book on it. Yeah. Don't stress, just invest available wherever you buy books. And so for me, like that is automated, that's ticking away. There's not much to talk about there and it's good. Yeah. And so now I'm really taking the time and applying what I've been working on with uh, my mentor, Andrew Page, and really just trying to find high quality long-term compounders and then trying to do a bit of valuation work and get into that. So Bryce, a company that I've bought recently. Yeah. And by recently, I mean in the last few weeks. Okay. ResMed. Sleep apnea. Sleep apnea. We did an episode on it for last year's summer series or the year before, I remember, when we were at the WeWork office. Mm, mm. Fascinating company. Yeah. Now, for people unfamiliar, sleep apnea is uh, it's uh, when you have obstructed airways when yep. you're sleeping. Um, it's Often, it will go undiagnosed and people will just snore their way through life having poor sleep. Mm. I actually did a sleep test earlier this year. My dad has sleep apnea and so I did a sleep test. Apparently, I stopped breathing an average of 10 times an hour when I'm sleeping, which doesn't sound great, but apparently it's like mild sleep apnea. So, I've got it. Did a test with a CPAP machine. Haven't done anything more. Anyway, just a little insight into (laughs) my life. I thought you took that back. I did take it back. Yeah, yeah. So they, you don't need it? Well, they would say I need it. I, I'll get one eventually. Just got to get them. Oh, so they did say you should take this? Yeah. Right. But you were like, nah. Oh, uh, they just like started really giving me the hard sell and it all got a little bit too much. Yeah. And they were like, just like, you have to have this one. And it was like, they didn't get the, the choice of options. Yeah, I didn't yeah, get a chance yeah. to ask questions. And I was yeah. like, nah, this nah. Is, I'm just going to do my research. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. I've kicked that can down the road. But okay. yeah, it's, it's in my future. 
Anyway, it's estimated these are American stats, but it's estimated that 20% of the American adult population have sleep apnea and that 90% of people that have sleep apnea are undiagnosed. Mm. So that's sort of the state of it. ResMed is an Australian company, one of the, f- the great Australian health tech companies along with CSL and Cochlear that have really taken on the world in this space. And ResMed is now based over in the States and they make CPAP machines. And ResMed for years has been a market darling. So for most people listening to this, they're probably familiar with the company. But the reason that I bought it is because it fell a third in the last month. Its share price fell a little over 33%. Yeah, it's been hammered. Yeah. So from the 3rd of August, we're recording this on the 14th of September. So 3rd of August, it was at $33.85. It is now trading at $23.25, down 31%. Mm. Now, in the last month, it reported its earnings for the year. It reported an 11% increase in profit. Why did it fall 30%? It fell 30% Ren because of the craziness that is coming out of Europe and the drug that is taking on the world, Ozempic, yep. which is a drug that is created by a company called Novo Nordisk. And investors obviously see this as a major threat to... ResMed, the reason being that there's the perception that largely sleep apnea is driven by obesity. Well, not a perception, but a lot of obese people have sleep apnea. And Ozempic is a drug that contributes to significant weight loss. Mm. And so by curing or getting rid of (laughs) obesity, then there's not going to be a market or as a bigger market for ResMed. So that's that's the theory. Yeah. So a lot of these stocks that have that benefit from the trend of more and more obese people are getting a hit because of Novo Nordisk. Novo Nordisk, uh, a a Danish company, now more valuable than Denmark's GDP. Yeah. Crazy. (laughs) (laughs) The wonders Uh, of pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's the thesis. That's why a lot of the market is selling ResMed because it's... The market's gone. Smaller market, yeah. smaller total addressable market. I think those fears are misplaced and I think the valuation is compelling. That's why I bought it. For me, it's like, and maybe I'm missing the magnitude of Ozempic, but it's the number of obese people and the trend. Novo Nordisk might slow the growth. I don't think it's going to reverse the trend. And even if it does, like the... The opportunity for ResMed and for Fisher and Paykel Health and I think Philips also make CPAP machines, like these players that are working on sleep apnea is to get the 80 to 90% of people that have obstructive sleep apnea today and are undiagnosed to a doctor and to a sleep test and getting them diagnosed rather than worrying, you know, like if that becomes 60% of people that are undiagnosed because the market gets smaller, that's still like there's a lot of green fields there. Mm. Blue sky, green fields, whatever. Um, and so for me, it's like the concern about a shrinking total addressable market when like the market is so untapped at the moment feels over-exaggerated. Yeah, well, this this reminds me of that conversation we had with Ricky Sandler last year yep. uh, leading into um, Stone Hearts and Minds where 
he, he kind of looks for these opportunities where the market oversells or overestimates what the negative impact on a business is and, and as a result, you know, probably oversells. So, yeah. yeah. Well, it reminds me of Simon in the office here and I bought Meta, Facebook, in November last year when it was just like at a stupidly cheap level. So, we we're pretty, pretty happy about that and continue to remind you guys. Um, <laughs> so... Working with Andrew Page, my mentor, he does like this back of the envelope, quick valuation methodology, sort of finger in the air to get a, to get a sense of what would have to be true for a share price to be compelling at the moment. So I did that with ResMed. So let me just talk you through it. Now I use ticker for this data, ticker, T-I-K-R.com slash equity mates. If you want to check it out, they have the US data for ResMed. So these are US numbers. So the share price, $149. The earnings per share, $6.44. Last year, it grew 11%, those earnings. Over the last five years, it's grown at an average of 13% a year. So with those numbers sort of modeled out two scenarios, let's say the $6.44 in earnings per share continues growing at 13% over the next five years. That'll mean $11.87 in earnings. So it just continues doing what it's done recently and you give it a 20 price to earnings ratio. Right now it's a bit over that. So you say the price to earnings ratio comes back in a little bit. That'd almost double its share price, $298. Sounds pretty good. But what about if all of these people worried about Azempic are right and ResMed's growth really starts to slow because all of these people that have sleep apnea get fit, get skinny, don't have obstructive airways anymore and throw the CPAP machine in the bin. Let's say it just grows at a bit over inflation. Let's say it grows at 5% for the next five years. That takes $6.44 to $8.22 in earnings per share. And let's say because the market hates it. It's like this company isn't growing. It's getting smashed by all these hot, fit people running around, not with obstructive airways anymore. And it gives it like a... 15 price to earnings, which is like what you'd give a slow growing company, mature company. That gives it a $164 share price. So around about what it is today, a little bit higher than what it is today. So for me, like that range of outcomes is compelling. And that's why I bought. Nice. Is the bear case compelling? For me, everyone that is currently using a CPAP machine, I think is very unlikely to stop using a CPAP machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, I don't see a world where it goes backwards. Yeah. It's just like maybe the world is they stop getting new patients and all they're doing is just selling masks and consumables to people that already have the machines. Yeah. And I could be wrong. Like I have got plenty wrong. But for me, it was like that's interesting enough that I put some money into it. So how do you think about weightings with this stuff? Small percentage of my overall portfolio. But like, do you do you actually think about it, or do you just go? I'm I've got some of this cash. I'm gonna put half of what I've got available, or or do you actually like do you do the maths on it? Like, I'm not worried if it's like five or ten percent of my portfolio, but I don't have a heap of lines of stocks. Instead, what I try and do is put more into existing ideas that I think are still compelling. Mm. So, you know, I put some into this. If I think it's still compelling, if the thesis is playing out and it doesn't get too expensive, I'll put more in sort of and build a position over time. Yeah. I mean, my biggest individual stock holding might be like 10% of my portfolio. 
Mm. What I have done recently, though, is cleared out some of the tail of just stuff where it was like... Yeah, 500 bucks here and yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's like, is this going to... even if What's it, the point? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the point is if you believe in it and you want to build a position over time. I Yeah, I think that's the key thing and kind of what I'm trying to get at here. It's kind of, If the bull case does kind of play out, then there's still a lot of opportunity for this thing to grow mm. and you want to make the most of it. So in my mind, when I'm doing these satellite positions, it's important to be like, I've got this money available now, but this shouldn't just be the the one stop. Mm. I'm just going to put it all in because if you're going to put a grand or two or whatever, it going from 149 to 164. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's for me, That's that was the, the bad situation. And I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, look, it's a company that a lot of people know about and it just feels like the recent sell-off if you don't believe the Novo Nordisk hype and all of that stuff, potentially an opportunity. So anyway, that's one company that uh, I have bought. I, I said there was a second company that I think is compelling, but I'm not going to buy. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that is JQJ Partners. Does that name ring a bell? It does. We've had the CEO and founder on, um, but I, the, the name escapes me. But again, we had him last year. Yeah, Tim Carver. So Tim, we spoke yes. to him and we'll include the link to that interview in the show notes if you want to listen to it. The US-based global fundy. Yeah, so US-based fundy listed in Australia. And how's this? At the end <laughs> of 2017, they had $10 billion under management. Mm-hmm. Fast forward, what, five and a bit years? $92 billion under management. Wow. And we know when we're talking about funds management business, uh, they make money in two ways. First of all, by growing their assets under management and they take a management fee. And then secondly, by outperforming the market and getting a performance fee. And growing your assets under management from 10 billion to 92 billion in five years is pretty compelling. It is compelling, but then you look at their stock price of the last five years and it's down 27%. Yeah. (laughs) Well, What the hell? There's a reason that I, I haven't done any more DD than this. Do you want to guess the reason why? Magellan. Yeah, Magellan. Oh, well, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I got so burnt on them. From uh, uh, investing in the company. Yeah, so I invested in Magellan, the parent company. The funds keep doing well, but the parent company then, as much as these fund managers have really compelling stories as they're growing their assets under management base, it goes the other way very quickly as well when they start losing assets under management. And Magellan lost a mandate from a big UK-based fund or asset manager uh, and that lost you know, tens of billions of dollars from their fund. And I think they've gone from, what, over $100 billion under management to like 60 or something now? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. rough, rough. Uh, yeah. Don't have the numbers in front of me. But that, for me, has made me very nervous about companies where your revenue driver can be taken away with factors outside of your control very quickly, if that makes sense. My biggest learning with that whole scenario was that I just didn't act anywhere near quick enough yeah, as yeah. soon as we knew the thesis was broken. Like we spoke about the thesis for that yeah. time and time again. And then as soon as it was broken, I was like, nah, should, should we write? Yeah. <laughs> She'll yeah, come yeah, good. Yeah. And it was just... A big learning. Yeah. A big learning. But it's fascinating to see, you know, when Magellan were going through that phase of Hamish Douglas out there being the, you know, the Australian Warren Buffett and conferences and funds were flowing in at an extraordinary rate. And they would, you know, similar to what GQG were doing with 
funds under management increasing rapidly. Their share price reflected that, went from, it was, I think it hit highs of about 60 bucks. Mm. Really interesting to see that that hasn't played out with GQG. The market obviously thinks something's not quite right, yeah. given that they've been able to almost 10 times their FUM and it's down 27%. But to be clear, it only listed in October 2021. Yeah. So... Which I think was when we when we spoke with them. We spoke to Tim pretty early. Yeah. 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 So anyway, two companies that have been on my mind recently, uh, JQG Partners and ResMed. One stat that I didn't say about ResMed. So the sleep apnea addressable market is estimated globally to be approximately 900 million people, which is crazy when you think the world is, what, 8 billion yeah, so 900 million people are estimated to have sleep apnea. Currently, across all providers of CPAP machines, only 16 million people are on CPAP devices. So when I was talking about the green fields earlier, blue sky, whatever you want to call it, that's it. And if Ozempic takes that 900 million and makes it 500 million, halves the number of people because everyone's fit and hot and taking weight loss drugs. Invest in Azempic. Well, invest in Azempic, <laughs> sure. But that's still the growth opportunity from 16 million people on CPAPs to hundreds of millions is huge. So everyone, go and get sleep tests and then get a ResMed device. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> ResMed just need to engage in a public education program. I around. reckon they would do a lot of that. I've never seen it. Have you? No, and I was about to say I'm not their target market, but I should be their target yeah. market. ResMed should pay us to do a, <laughs> a, a PR yeah. campaign for them. But anyway, yeah, look, I think two interesting companies, two to put on your watch list and do your own research on, uh, but I think I've waffled enough, Bryce. Ah, feel free to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bryce, well, there has been some big news in the business world that relates to sport, and that is a new company has listed on the share market that we want to talk about because... It's been a real trend the last couple of years. The number of sports-related businesses that are listing on the share market is growing, which is really exciting because sports as an asset class has just outperformed everything else. I know, Ren. <laughs> you say that so sincerely. Yeah, well, it's just one of those like, you know, we, we spend our time trying to figure out how we can get access to parts of the market that are unaccessible for retail investors for us. And um, you see all these news headlines of, it's a billionaire's playground. Well, yeah, but I, yeah, yeah. Like, like obviously like the way to get access to this asset class is by the Dallas Cowboys. Exactly. But, yeah. um, the good news is it's changing. Yeah, it's, it's changing. changing. It's changing. There's more and um, more listing opportunities. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you've been slowly acquiring a position in the Brisbane Broncos. <laughs> slowly acquiring. I own half of that thing. Well, News Corp own the other half. So, so for people unfamiliar, Bris the Brisbane Broncos, Australia's largest rugby league team probably, or maybe one of the largest rugby league teams, um, they are listed, ASXBBL. Uh, they've almost doubled their share price in the past five years. Well, that's because of my large positions that keep going in rent. Well, I always <laughs> thought that they had a reputation as just like a nothing stock. Well, I guess when we looked at it probably five years ago, when we, I remember we did the industry deep dive on sports, they, the performance wasn't great, but kudos to them. Yeah. Anyway, we're not here to talk about uh, the Brisbane Broncos, although I am backing them to win really? the premiership this year. Okay. Over yeah. the Panthers. Yeah, Panthers-Broncos final, you almost lock that in, write that in stone. Um, I mean, the three-peat for the Panthers would be interesting. It'll happen. 
You reckon? Yeah. Should we put a bet on it? Yeah. What's the bet? But the Panthers will win. You loser. If they, the loser has to come on and sing the theme song for, no. the, lo- for, the, for the losing team. I don't, do they? Do they have? Theme I don't know songs if rugby has rugby? songs. I've never seen them. I think get South. Around like I think AFL. Souths do, but I don't know. Uh, just bet for pride. Yeah, maybe. let's yeah. keep going. No one cares about our bets. But over in the US, a big uh, sports merger and new listing has taken place that we wanted to touch on. TKO is the ticker. It is the merger of the UFC mm-hmm. and the WWE. Yes, World Wrestling Entertainment. Fake fighting and real fighting have come together. TKO, you get the ticker as well? Yes. Yeah, nice. Yes. Um, <laughs> now, let's talk about how it came about in the company. So, it listed in New York, as you said. It's controlled by a company called Endeavor Group, which is a, controlled by a guy called... <laughs> not the Australian... Not, not the uh, drinks yeah, company, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which I did sell during the week. I think I told you I was going to... Do that in my update last week. Get rid of it. Um, it was in my portfolio. I got rid of it. Fair enough. So Ari Emanuel. Does the name ring a bell for you? Ari Emanuel. Yeah. No. So have you watched Entourage? Yes. Yeah, oh, so Ari. Ari Gold, Ari Gold is based on Ari Emanuel. Ah. Like a high-flying Hollywood uh, super agent, ah. um, temper, all that stuff. And then Ari Emanuel's brother, Rahm Emanuel, was a senior advisor to Barack Obama and then became the mayor of Chicago. Wow. So the Emmanuel family have done pretty well. Pretty well. Wow. Now that makes sense. So they formed TKO, which as you said is WWE and UFC. Together, they're going to be putting on 350 live events worldwide, reaching over a billion fans. Um, And it's really positioned to capitalize on the growing demand for premium sports content and live events. And... There's big money. As everything goes to streaming, and this is something we've spoken about offline, Rand, as everything goes to streaming, the one thing that remains in terms of like TV is live sports. Yeah, although that's going to streaming as well now. Like uh, ESPN had that big fight with Charter Communications True. last week because they're doing direct-to-consumer. The NFL, which has had direct-to-consumer outside of America for ages, now have NFL+. Plus. All these streaming services just putting plus on the end of their names. <laughs> KO was KO, selling yeah. the UFC as even before the paywall. True. Like you could just buy it one off. Like yeah. even sport is now leaving the pay TV world. True. And that's why cable is just done. True. Like what have they got? Sport was the only thing they had. That's very true. Yeah. So the WWE signed a $1 billion rights agreement with NBC's Peacock streaming Mm -hmm. back in 2021, which will be up for renewal in 2026. And this company is expected to, uh, I guess, pull in significant uh, TV rights deals. They expect the uh, merged company now to generate more than a billion dollars in annual earnings. So it's a pretty interesting merger and I think (laughs) an opportunistic one from Ari. It's only $8.5 billion market cap at the moment. So if it can generate more than a billion dollars in earnings, I assume that's over time, not this Um, year. There's some growth there. Pretty significant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The UFC was in Sydney recently and it's like a global phenomenon now. Like I don't think either of us are super into fighting. Like um, no, I I don't engage with the UFC or WWE at all. Yeah, but like more and more of our mates are messaging us on group chats about it, and it's growing. Mm. Yeah. Here's an interesting one from Ari about why he's done the deal. He says we think the world is going to have more free time than ever with AI. <laughs> 
<laughs> so thinks that the weekends are going to be like in college. It starts on Thursday night and you need experiences and reckons that through his company, are going to be providing experiences. The UFC has been a cash spinner for Endeavor, the controlling company of uh, TKO. It has an estimated standalone enterprise value of $12 billion. And after Formula One, UFC has experienced the highest growth in attendance of any sport over the past five years, according to Morgan Stanley. Wow. So... I mean, the idea that more like, time. oh, the idea we're going to have more time because of AI and that's going to unlock sport as a pastime. It's like sport Sport has been a, the one constant, regardless of how much we worked. When we worked seven days a week and there was no such thing as a five-day work week or an eight-hour work day, sport was still a constant in everyone's lives. Mm. I mean, I guess we'll have more capacity for sport. Mm. But anyway, I think the investment thesis for TKO, if you're going to invest, should be more about the growth of these sports yeah. and what they will be displacing yeah. rather than AI related. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> so that's a really interesting listing. But the interesting thing is it's one of many mergers and listings that we're seeing in the sports space that for people who are interested in investing in it, um, it's worth paying attention to. And the next one is one that I know is close to your heart mm. and one that we have frequented, which is Callaway, the golf brand, merged with Top Golf, mm-hmm. and they are now a listed company together, Callaway Top Golf. As what? Suppliers of Well, as like a golfing giant. So they're so you've well, got hold on, hold on. Before you before you start criticizing it, do you want to just explain what Top Golf is for people? Oh, Top Golf. Once you start, you'll never stop. <laughs> the driving range of the future. Oh yeah. So it's taking the driving range to the next level. Traditional driving ranges have nothing but an open grass field in front of you with uh, distance markers. Top Golf is now designed for, I would say, for your non-golfers, where you play a lot of virtual games. There's still a driving range, but you hit the ball, it will track the ball and you can play different types of games with your mates. Then they include DJs, they include food and drinks and it's just a a great social way to enjoy a night on the driving range. (laughs) Now they do have... perfect date night spot Bryce is trying to convince his wife. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, unfortunately, Ren, there is not one here in Sydney that is accessible if at all uh we were lucky enough to play a few over in the states when we went and it was a lot of fun although if we had a deep pocketed private equity backer we often talk about buying the moorpark um driving range and turning it into a top golf would just print go off it would print cash it is it, it is an expensive thing to do when we were in the states i think it was 60 usd an hour that could be split between up to six people, but um, still. And then the food and drink on top. Mm. I remember walking out thinking it was pretty expensive. Yeah. But if there was one here in the middle of Sydney, ooh, it would be a money spin. <laughs> it would be a money. Sp- it would be a money spinner. Anyway, so that's what Top Golf is. It's you know you've you've probably seen it on TikTok or uh, Instagram. People getting drunk and falling into the nets and those sorts of things. Oh. Have you seen those? Our TikTok algorithms are quite different. I think. Okay. Okay, cool. <laughs> I don't get a lot of golf content. <laughs> Have they? Mer- I don't think they've merged with Callaway. I think it's yeah. a partnership. Yeah, they've merged. The merged company is called Top Golf Callaway. Well, Top Golf Callaway Brands. Callaway's actually been on a bit of a acquisition streak. Is that what you call it? An acquisition. Uh, they've done multiple acquisitions over the last few years. We did a write up in our Thought Starters email 
and we'll include the link in the show notes here if you want to read more about it. But I think it was something like five acquisitions over the last five years and Topgolf being the biggest of them. So Topgolf Callaway Brands is the listed vehicle, M-O-D-G, mm-hmm. which has underneath it Topgolf and all things Callaway. And a few other and companies. Whatever. But yeah, 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 yeah. They're the main two. I wonder why they kept Topgolf in the name. Because it's, it's the, the hype. It's, it's hot. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of sporting tournaments and broadcast rights, aren't Top Golf doing a golf game? Like a, a, they like are. a um, golf co- a competition? I don't actually know if it's at Top Golf, but they're doing, there is a driving range esque virtual golf competition that is called Future Golf or something like that, led by Rory and Tiger Woods. I reckon they're going to regret this. Okay. Because it seemed like it was a rash decision made at the time where Live Golf was picking up steam and there was a lot of frustration around, you know, the the fact that the traditional golf wasn't attracting younger members and so they came up with this concept of standing in a driving range and some of the big big hitters coming in and and uh, competing against each other. But I just don't, I find it hard to see how it will be that engaging to watch, but we'll have to find out. I think it's launching next year. I'm just trying to Google it and I can't find anything. But if, you, if you're interested in, in reading more and maybe correcting some of our stuff here, the, uh, the write-up in the... Uh, it's called TGL, a golf league. Yeah, it looks so lame. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... Anyway, fair enough. Well, Bryce will not be in, uh, not be watching that. So I think, yeah, look, it, it's an exciting time um, to be uh, interested in the sports space. Uh, a couple, a new merge, or a, a kind of recent merger with Top Golf Callaway, a new listing with TKO Group, and then there's obviously all the existing listed vehicles. Formula One as a competition is listed through um, Liberty Media. That incredibly complex structure there are the, the teams the brisbane broncos we mentioned manchester united is listed over in the uk although if it gets bought it might become delisted but right now it is listed and then there's even stadiums like madison square garden as a stadium is uh, is listed so there's heaps of opportunity in the sports space i haven't invested a lot in it but i'm very interested in watching it yeah well we'll exit equity mates one day and buy a sports team my dream in life is to be Jeffrey Edelston and not, <laughs> not because I want to be a, dis- I, a disgraced doctor, yeah. um, but because he, was a, he owned the Sydney Swans. In the, I think in the 90s, he bought it, the Swans from the AFL and then eventually he was disgraced and he had to sell it back or something. But my dream in life would be to own the Sydney Swans. Yeah, fair call. Franchise value alone. They're like (laughs) Dallas Cowboys of Australia, they would call it. No. Anyway, (laughs) we will take a quick break. And on the other side of this, we're going to give Alan a call, one of the Equitymates community members, to to discuss fractionalization and in dollar cost averaging. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves 
without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Alan. G'day, mate. Alan, I'm also here. Uh, this is Ren. How's it going? Good, Ren. How are you? The myth, the legend that is. The equity, mate, boys. That much of a myth? Yeah, I know. <laughs> or certainly not legends, but um, good to chat. Definitely legends. Legends. So, um, got a couple of questions through from you. The second is around dollar cost average. So, talk to us. What's the barrier? I'm a big fan of dollar cost averaging and all the statistics sort of suggest that, uh, you know, the, the experts, most of them can't beat um, just the regular all-encompassing market. So... Why try to beat the market when you can just um, simply, you know, sit on a wide, all-encompassing ETF and, and get the market return? But uh, looking at um, different ETFs that you can buy, like the uh, A200 ETF um, for the top 200 in the ASX, it is at the moment, it's around about $120 per share of the ETF. So for a regular mere mortal like myself, if you wanted to say dollar cost average, maybe say 200 bucks a week or a month or something sort of like that for a regular person, it kind of means um, each time, say you're 200 bucks, even 200 bucks a week um, at that price point of around $120, you're only ever buying one share and then you're getting a lot of change left over. Yeah. And so really, whilst you might maybe, you know, one week you buy it at $120, maybe the next week you buy it at $119, the next week you buy it at $121. I mean, there's a slight up and down there, but really you're just getting one share at around the same price with a bit of change left over. And so I feel like that's not really getting the full experience of dollar cost averaging where you really want to be spending the whole $200. And so at one week when it's more expensive, you're buying less of it. And then on the weeks where it's maybe a bit cheaper, you're buying more of it and your $200 is getting, is getting employed every week rather than buying one whole share with a slight difference in the price going up and down each week, mm. which brings in either you have to spend a large amount of money to be buying more shares when it's cheaper and less shares when it's more expensive or to get the full effect of dollar cost averaging. I feel like you need a broker that's offering fractional shares so that every week your full $200 is getting employed and you're getting that full benefit of buying more when it's cheaper and buying less when it's more expensive. And from what I can find, Sharesies is the only sort of Aussie broker that now does fractional buying and i feel like fractional buying especially you know on a an etf that's at a higher price point is is really key to get the full effect of dollar cost averaging so again you're, you're buying less when it's more expensive and you're buying more when it's cheaper 
Yeah, it's a great question and one that, you know, I, I have this problem as well with the setup that I've got through Superhero. It's not fractional. Mm -hmm. And so every time I'm putting money in and, you know, I'm definitely not fully investing the amount because of this, you know, and you are left with change. And then I make a conscious decision every month to then go and invest that change. So you're never going to get it per perfect unless you do do fractional. The, the other thing is, as you go up the dollar amount, like the problem still yeah, it still exists. Yeah, unless you're in like big, big amounts. But you're still gonna have you, you're still gonna have stuff left it's over. Never be and perfect. Yeah, yeah, like but potentially it means you're buying more when the price is up, buying less when the price is down. Then you're faced with this dilemma: Do you get the imperfect dollar cost averaging at no brokerage with like a superhero, or do you pay pay to get it perfect with sharesies? Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah, Superhero is great because there's there's no commission on uh, on ETFs, which is which is great. But then yeah, again, each time you're only buying whole shares and having that change left over, and then you've got to try and do you do you try and time the market when you buy your extra one every couple of weeks with the change you get, and then you're kind of going against the sort of perfect dollar cost averaging thing because you're having to time the buy with the change, or then yeah, you pay a little bit, but with shares you get the fractional and you get your full you know, allotment invested every week. So I've been with Superhero for for a couple of years now and have been just dollar cost averaging that with the no brokerage, but I've actually set up sharesies in the last few weeks just to experiment and, and give their fractional buying their auto investing a go and and see the difference, you know, um, and see if over time it sort of works out better, even though there is a small brokerage or something. It's, I'm just doing five bucks a month and that gives you up to a thousand dollars of auto investing which is which is plenty for me anyway a month so that small price to pay i feel more confident better knowing that i'm getting true dollar cost averaging and getting my you know uh my full thousand dollars a month broken up into like 250 lots a week fully invested here's a strategy that has tax implications but could also, could also work <laughs> to, depending on what you're investing in, out, maybe outside of the ASX 200, or although I'm sure there are listed products in America that give you access to the A200. Like you could go through, <laughs> oh you could go through the, like Stake, for example, give or you- Or uh, Not fractional though. Uh, in the US? I don't know. Is it, I, I'm not sure. Is that where I, you're going with this? Yeah. So I'm saying like, if uh, you yeah. go through Stake, for example, by US listed ETFs, which gives you zero mm -hmm. commission and can be fractional. And you're going to get the same, like if you're doing into an S&P 500, if you're doing it into a European markets, if you're doing it into Asia, they're all going to be listed on US markets. So you could yep. dollar cost average that way into a... You wouldn't do stake because it's not auto invest though. They don't have auto invest. That's true. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. You're stake also... doesn't have auto invest, but stake has fractional. Yeah, Definitely. Uh, for yeah, fractional yeah. For, the US, for the US, not for Australia. Yeah, not for Australia. I think only yeah. Sharesies does fractional in Australia. I haven't the looked at like the, the eToros of the world and stuff like that. But Bryce, your strategy, then you just exp you just got the currency stuff. Yeah, as I said, it comes yeah. with... I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not against the currency stuff at the moment. Like this Aussie dollar is pretty damn weak, so... <laughs> Yeah, like, and if it's over long long term currency, buying into it obviously you're getting less. Yep. But yeah, I yeah. think I think though that if someone's listening here and then is kind of getting put off the idea of DCA because it's not going to be the perfect 
solution. I think the key message really from us is that at a minimum, if you're getting sort of the 90% of it right, which is automating from your bank account into a broker and then automating a consistent investment over um, every week or fortnight or month like that's the behavior you want to build that's at at least that means you're you're buying at a consistent rate while whilst it's probably not theoretically the true dollar cost average when ren and i were talking about dca five years ago like it it was it was further away from what it is now because of we didn't even have automation back then and you had to pay brokerage and and so yeah they're just sort of Killed profits with the brokerage. <laughs> exactly, like, twenty bucks through CBA. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'll tell you how I do mine. The ETF where I really feel this is the Vanguard FTSE Asia X Japan, because I try and put a hundred bucks into that every pay cycle, and its share price is sixty nine dollars, so about seventy bucks. And so every time it's like thirty bucks is just sitting in there. That gets annoying. So. Then every now and then I'll go into it and I'll rebalance. So if the Asia one is far less than some of my other geographic ones, I'll top up the Asia one knowing that like, you know, you've kind of screwed up the the perfect timing of DCA. But for me, it's like, you know, we're, we're looking decades ahead now. The, the main thing is just having sort of equal exposure to different parts of the world. Yeah. But what I'll also do is the money that gets left over in my superhero account I'll then treat that as the money that I can put into thematic ETFs. I've put some into Hack recently and stuff like that. But it's like that that's not part of my regular DCA plan. I just use that as extra money to either top up or to invest in other things. You almost got like a mini a mini core and satellite going on. Yeah. ETFs. It's like, oh, then I get to invest this into something that I want to invest in or that I think is interesting that's outside my just consistent automated dca plan but you know like perfect world all of these brokers in a couple of years introduce fractional aussie and i wouldn't be surprised if they do yeah it's pretty competitive so but yeah like you say i think for most people it's just about um getting into the habit or if you're bad at getting into a habit putting it on auto invest and auto transfer you know your money across from your bank account into your brokerage account every month so that it's all automated you don't have to think about it you don't have to you don't run the risk of like you know skipping out and being like oh actually you know what i'll use that money this week for a holiday instead of putting it into my dca so like getting it automated and it just ticks away in the background and dca yeah any of those minor technicalities on a on a true perfect dca are, are kind of irrelevant over a long term yeah if this is the problem you're facing you're doing a lot right and and i i bet i just like we've seen change over the last five years as you said alan like these brokers are always improving and and creating new products and so you know auto invest wasn't even a thing two years ago two and a half years ago or as prolific as it is now one does it they all do it because of the competition i wouldn't be surprised if at some point we start seeing auto invest and fractionalization of Aussie at some point like you know as technology improves and then we can all really sit back and know we've nailed true DCA yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely I there's a lot of competition with the brokers so I mean I mean in, if they follow my I've gone from you know Commonwealth to Westpac to Self Wealth to Superhero and now to Sharesies and they're like 
when's this guy finally ever going to I know, that's actually kind of my journey. I was like, ComSec, I had NAB, then I went SelfWealth because they were the first to really go low brokerage. And then, yeah, the superhero and stake. Superhero. Um, yeah. Got them all. Don't use them all. But. Co- collect them all, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, keep us posted. I feel like we were only speaking to someone last week about shares and their fractional offer. So, um, obviously, something that uh, a number of active people in the Equimates community are, are looking for. So, yeah, keep us posted. We'd love to um, We'd love to hear how it goes and share it with the community. On And uh, ev- I think everyone will be able to benefit. Keep up the good work. We love the podcast. Nice Th- one, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good Speak one. Soon. Support. Take care, gents. Thank you. Bye-bye. It was great chatting with Alan and we love chatting with our community here at Equity Mates. If you'd like to submit a question, you can hit us up at contact at equitymates.com. All right, Ren. Well, before we go, uh, we have an awesome interview coming up this Thursday with Saurabh Mukraji from Macellus. Yeah, epic. About all things India. Yeah, got us so excited about investing in India. He's over there and just telling us what's going on in the ground and the pace of development and the companies that are emerging and, and some of the stuff that they're doing. Yeah, it changed my perception on on India. And I think I went home and uh, was like, my next trip is going to be to India. So oh, <laughs> nice. we'll see if that conviction holds. But um, yeah, really exciting and inspiring interview. <laughs> yeah. On Friday as well, we do a deep dive on all things bonds with uh, Dr. Christian Bayless. So uh, if you're interested in that asset class that has been forgotten for the last decade but is now roaring back to life, make make sure you tune in. But Ren, as always, we'll uh, leave it there and pick it up on Thursday. Sounds good. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.